Welcome to a Sterling Harris Ministries teaching of thriving in a love relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Victory and God's best for you. So I'm just going to go ahead and open this up in a word of prayer and then get started. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, Jehovah, Lord, I just thank you so much, Father, for the gathering tonight of your rams, Lord, of your men. Lord, I thank you that it starts with us, Lord, in our households. And Lord, it starts with us by, by us showing people Christ Jesus. Lord, I thank you that you will pour me out tonight so you may be lifted up high above your people, Lord, so they may see that it's all about relationship, and relationship is everything in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So when, I was, when they asked me to speak here and I started praying to God about, like, what do you want me to talk about, this same phrase kept coming to my mind, that relationship is everything. And there's a, the healing in our lives comes in context of relationship. Our relationship with God is where we get inner healing. It's where we get healing for our bodies. It's where we get the power to heal other people. So that relationship, that love relationship that God seeks with us, there's healing in that. There's also healing in the context of relationships with one another, whether it be your wife or your kids or you know, people that you counsel with. There's healing in those relationships. So the context of healing comes within relationships. Also, the context of pain and hurts comes in relationships. There's so many of us right now that are out there suffering from strongholds caused by relationships, unhealthy relationships, relationships with our parents, with our mom, with our dad, with our, with our siblings, maybe with a, with, a, with a wife or an ex-wife or with one of your friends that betrayed you and hurt you. So there's healing and there's pain in the context of relationships. So when I really began to kind of just go before the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want to, to bring to your people? He told me to kind of interweave the context of a relationship through the testimony of my life because my life has had a lot of healing because of the love relationship that I now have with Jesus, but it's also had a lot of pain because of the lack of relationship that I had with Jesus Christ, even though that I was saved. And also there was a lot of pain caused by the relationship that I had with my father and the father wounds that I had to overcome, but there was also a lot of healing with the relationships that I had with people like my mom and my grandmother. So just kind of give you a little background about me. I grew up in Terrell, Texas. I was born and, born and raised there, and I was one of those kind of, my parents were Sunday morning Christians, meaning that they went to church on Sunday morning. Uh, we had a Bible in our house. It collected dust. We, we most likely didn't use it, and so what I saw my parents do is I saw us go to church try to be good people, and live in that works-based environment. And the church that I was part of, I thank God that I found life there in that denomination, but I also found a lot of religion, people trying to work hard enough to be good enough. And the mindset of, God, you should bless me because I'm a good person. And I suffered with that for so long in my life, trying to enter in really as a slave, trying to work hard enough to be good enough, instead of entering in in my identity as a son, in Jesus Christ, that I'm already right, made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ, that I'm already accepted in the beloved, that I'm already loved by the Father. I kept thinking, like I kept seeing this person they, reading in, in the Bible about this righteous man. I said, man, if I can ever get righteous, man, I'm, I'm going to have it made, right? This, these righteous people, they get everything. And so what I didn't realize, and because I always heard that none, no, there's none righteous, no, not one, and you're, you're just an old sinner saved by grace. And then I started getting the Bible for myself, 
years and years and years later after living 10 or 15 years of this slave mentality, trying to work hard enough to be good enough, and God, you should bless me because I'm a good person, I started reading the book of Corinthians and the book of Romans, and I found out that I was made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, that I already had right standing with the Father, that I was righteous. So everything that is said about a righteous person in here, that's who I was. And, you know, there's, Kenneth Copeland says this. He said, you know, there's no reason for me to preach sin to people out there. He said, because I'm preaching to people who got a PhD in it. And maybe I just had, maybe I had just a master's. So always, always, people always preached sin to me and don't do this and don't do that. And I always thought of God as this taskmaster, this guy who was up in heaven and he loves you. But if you got out of line, he was going to zap you. And I used, I used to think that this book was a book of rules. So it's a, just a book of, of don'ts and not a love letter to me. And so for so many years of my life, I grew up in the context of being what I would call religious, meaning that I was stuck in the law of works and I wasn't entering in to the finished works of Jesus Christ, which is his grace, which is the righteousness that we've been made, which is the relationship, the daily relationship that we have in Christ Jesus. I used to have things like in different, in different kind of piles. So here's the big stuff. I need God for that. Here's the stuff that I do on a daily basis, and you know I might need his help, but probably not. And here's like the little stuff that I do every day that he didn't even want to be involved in because he's busy. I don't want to bother God. That's right. I used to think, well, he's busy with everybody else. I don't want to bother him. And little did I know that he wanted a love relationship with me. God wanted to be involved in every single aspect of my life. There was no detail. He told me, he said, Sterling, anything you put on the altar of your life, I want to bless. Anything. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Before I send an email, before I post on Facebook, before I work out, during, between my sets, before I speak a word to anybody, I just say really quick, Lord, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Lord, guide me in this. I'm always looking through the lens of my God goggles, and I'm looking through the lens of the finished works of Jesus Christ. And I don't read this book so I can quote scripture. I read this, I read this word so it can get in me. So the imperishable seed of Jesus Christ can get in me. Because out of abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And I know Pastor Mark talks so much about the power of words and how much the Bible talks about words. And people often say, well, you know, words don't matter. I'm going to talk about the power of words tonight and the power of the blessing. And we, especially as men of the households, have this power of the blessing. And we're going to kind of talk about how to walk in that. But the power of words, literally, when you kind of think about it like this, what if you could, I guess, the, I, say, I guess I would say magically, but I don't believe in magic. <laughs> what if you could take back all the negative words that were said over you and all the negative words you said over other people and over yourself, and those were changed into positive words of the word of God? Imagine just for a second, what would your life look like? How different would it look if people actually guarded their mouth and guarded their tongue and we guarded our minds and guarded our hearts like the Word says to, and we tend our heart like a garden? How much radically changed and beautiful and loving and righteous-minded would your life be? All those strongholds, all those pains, all those hurts, you wouldn't have a lot of them. Because a lot of those things start with thoughts and then they go to words. 
So I grew up in Terrell, Texas, and my parents were kind of like, they, like I said, they were, they were just in that work hard enough to be good enough stage. And I had my first really powerful encounter with God when I was 12 years old. And my parents, I was growing, like I said, I grew up in the church, went to church camp, all those things. And I had really felt a call to give my life to the Lord, but I felt a little pressure by my parents, and, and a lot of my friends were giving their life to Christ at that time. And, you know, I just kind of like went to God, and I said, God, I don't want to give my life to you because my friends are doing it, because my parents want me to. I want to know that I know that I know that you're real. We, in football, we would call that throwing up a Hail Mary. <laughs> so I didn't know what was going to come of it. I didn't know what, how God was going to show himself to me. I, w- I was asking for something, a confirmation. And I'll never forget this. The next morning after praying that prayer, I woke up with a feeling of peace and joy and comfort that I had never had in my life. And you know how that knowing feeling that, that I know that I know that I know, that's what I had at that point. And so I gave my life to him. But at that point, I didn't know about a love relationship. I, nobody preached to me relationship. Nobody told me that God wants to be involved in every area of your life. Nobody told me that I had been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. People just told me about all these rules and what I shouldn't do and what I should do, but nobody preached to me about this daily love relationship. And that's why God put that so heavy on my heart that it's all about relationship and building that relationship. I often ask people, I say, you know, are you a Christian? And 95% of the time, 90% of the time, they'll say, I go to church. If they're a Christian, I go to church. That's their first answer. See, right then I've located them and they located themselves. And then I ask them, oh, well, okay, how's your prayer life? And they usually go, it could be better. And all of our prayer life could be better, right? And then I ask them this question. I said, if your prayer life was based on a relationship, in the context of a relationship of a woman that you were really, really in love with, and it was based on that communication, you talking to God and you listening to him, how would that relationship look? And they usually give me this look like, <laughs> that deer in the headlight look, right? And I say, I don't say that to condemn you. I say that to set you free and give you something that I never knew, that God wants an everyday love relationship with us. And he, the same relationship that we have with the woman that we're really in love with, that you can't, you, you think about her all the time, even when you're, even when you're away from her, you want to email her, you want to text her, you want to, you, you're just got her on your mind, this focus all the time. You want to spend intimate time with her. You want to spend, you want to spend, you know, date night with her. You just want to be in this person's presence. And that's the kind of love relationship that Jesus Christ is looking, looking to have with us. And I just didn't, I really didn't know that. It just, it just wasn't really taught to me and I didn't see it modeled. And that's what I want to encourage you guys. If, if you're in a situation and when I say that, you're like, you know what? I'm not basing my daily walk and living a lifestyle of love. I'm not living a lifestyle in the relationship context with Jesus. I'm not, I may be talking to him, but I'm not listening. I'm not interacting. I'm not, I'm not having a two-way dialogue with him. I'm not in the word like I need to be. My, the things that are coming out of my heart and out of my mouth aren't lining up with God's goodness and God's love. Then you can always change it right now. Don't, don't be disempowered. Be empowered to say, you know what? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of change. Today is the day where I flip the script and I start doing something different. And so as I, as I go along and I, I've 
fast forward a, a couple years now, and you know, I'm playing football in high school, and I'm really uncoordinated. Like, to a lot of people, like, football came easy. To me, I have a size 18 shoe, and so these, these things, these boats right here, I mean, I could ski by myself. I don't need any skis. I mean, they, they were, they were kind of uncoordinated. Not kind of, it was really bad. And I wasn't very strong. I think, I think when I was a freshman, I benched 100 pounds and squatted 100 pounds. And I, when I ran, I was just like all over the place. And even my, even my freshman coach, he told my varsity coach when I was kind of running off the, the sideline one time, and I guess I was looking un, all uncoordinated, he was like, you know, that kid right there will never play a snap of varsity football. He really is just a waste. It's a waste, waste of a big body. And there were so many kids that, that made fun of me, that bullied me because I was different than people. I'm half black and half white. And because I was big, but I was very awkward. But there was, there was the Holy Spirit in me. There was that voice inside me that told me that I could succeed in life. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this negativity that they're doing. I'm going to go ahead and release that to Jesus. And you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as a call to prayer. I'm going to use that as fuel for my focus. And so I began to be the first one in the gym and the last one out. And people ask, you know, how can you be your best in life? Practice, practice, practice. <laughs> you, you know, and, and, and when people start walking with God, they'll maybe, they'll maybe do a little bit and they'll see some increase. And then the trials and tribulations will arise from the enemy trying to get the word out to you or your flesh will be wanting to kind of do what it wants to do. And then you'll go back to wasn't working, what wasn't working in the first place. I've done that plenty and plenty of times in my life. And so I say practice will make you your very best and you'll be able to, you'll live this as a daily lifestyle. Like I don't come to church, I don't come to church to worship. I come to church worshiping because every day that I live my life now is an act of worship. It used to not be like that. I used to not be connected like that. And relationship, the, the definition of relationship is, is the state of being connected by a person, place, or thing. And so you have to ask yourself tonight, what's your state of connectedness with God? What's your state of connectedness with how you're thinking, how you're speaking, and how you're acting towards others? And what's your connectedness to your family, your friends, your loved ones? Does it look like Jesus? Does it look like love? If it does, hey, keep going. You can't overlove. <laughs> and if it doesn't, be bold enough, be empowered enough to make a change. Because if I can shift from working hard enough to be good enough and all the sin and all the craziness that I'm going to tell you about in a little bit, if I can shift over there to living in a love relationship with Jesus, anybody can. <laughs> it's like if God can use me, he can use anybody. That's, that's, what, that's kind of how I feel about that. And so... I kind of used this, this, this focus that I had as motivation. I was the first one in the gym, the last one out. So you know what? I'm going to be my very best. Not the best, because there will always be somebody better, smarter, bigger, stronger. But I wanted to be my best. I wanted to live to my full potential. And that's what God's looking for us to do. He's not looking for perfection that doesn't exist. He's looking for persistence. He's looking for your effort. My coach used to say, you know what? I'll coach you in technique, but I'm not going to coach effort. I want you to give me your max effort, and then I'll coach you up from there. And so I used, I used this, this, this work mentality to excel in football, and it wasn't, it wasn't easy. There was a lot of people speaking negativity over my life. There was coaches. There was my own family members that doubted me, and I said, you know what? I just kept falling 
that small, still voice in me and that gut feeling knowing that, that I could achieve in life. And so that same, that same coach who said I would never play a snap of varsity football, about four years later, I was an All-American, All-State, All-Area. I was one of the top 100 recruits in the state of Texas and top 20 offensive tackles in the United States. So I've been able to overcome when people said that I wasn't going to be able to be anything, that I was going to be a waste of space. But it happened because I didn't believe the negativity, and I didn't speak that negativity over my life. I didn't allow it to dominate my thought life. Because when you start, when you start thinking negative, you start speaking negative, you start acting negative. Because if you sow a thought, you reap a word. You sow a word, you reap an action. You sow an action, you, reach, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. And I knew, that, I knew inherently that at a young age. Because I had seen all these like Rocky movies and, and, all, and all, this, all these football movies about people working hard and achieving their dream. And I was like, you know what? That can be me. So at this time, I'm falling more and more away from the Lord because I don't have a relationship. I don't know. I, I really, for lack of knowledge, I don't know what that is. All I saw was what was modeled in my household. And so it's, it's kind of hard to have a relationship or actually do something that you've never seen modeled. If, you, if you've seen modeled like I did, I saw, I saw modeled a dysfunctional family in some aspects. I saw modeled as dysfunctional marriage, a, a, a child that came out of divorce, a lot of hurts. My dad was a person who was very shut off emotionally, and the things he did say were very condescending. So there was a lot of, there was a lot of dad hurts and dad wounds that I had that I didn't even know about. There was things that were keeping me bound that I didn't even realize. So I was walking around bound and in chains in my heart and didn't even know it knowing that, you know, the bad thing about it is, is the answer was right there inside me. It was a love relationship with Jesus. But see, I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to fill this void in my heart with different things. And so I started partying. I started living that football lifestyle. I got in, I got in college, and I was like, you know what? I'll be happy when took over in my life after I began to fall away from Christ. I'll be happy when I'm an All-American. When that happened, I call it like one of, these, one of these mountaintop experiences. And I thought I was going to find peace. I thought I was going to find the joy that I always wanted, but I didn't find it there. Then I had this other mountaintop experience when I went to college and was, was excelling in college. And still, when I got to that mountaintop experience, their void was still there. And then I, when I got to the NFL, that void was still there. And then in 2008, after I had to retire from the NFL because of a foot injury. I, I broke the, the outer bone in my foot uh, in three pieces, and then, I, and then my second year when I came back, I dislocated the middle joint in my foot, which is basically like, it's called a Liz Frank dislocation. It's like breaking your foot in half, in essence. And my, there was a misdiagnosis of, of my injury, and so I ended up playing on it and doing some permanent damage to it. So I had a lot of bitterness and resentment. I didn't watch football for maybe two or three years until my brother started playing, and I blamed God for it. At that time, I thought everything that happened in your life was God's will for your life. I didn't realize that the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy in your life. I didn't realize that the actions of other people, because they have a free will choice to choose negative words, to choose evil, I didn't realize that that's why these, some of these negative things were happening in my life. And also, some of the things that I was sowing in my own life, I didn't realize that I was, I was, I was going out of grace and entering in to the laws of sin and death in my life. And I was perishing for lack of knowledge. So in, 2000, in 2008, I, I had a situation where I was just like, I'd, I'd reached this third or fourth mountaintop in my life. And I remember I was sitting in a club in downtown Dallas, 
and I, was, I had the car I always wanted, the house I always wanted, had everything that I thought was going to buy me peace and bought me none. And I said, you know what, is this it? The girls, the cars, the lifestyle, the things you see on TV, it's like, is this it? Is this, is this life? And I looked out at that crowd, and I was like, man, there's got to be something more. And two weeks later, man, I had a power encounter with Jesus. I was sitting in, I was sitting in my office with my head in my hands, just really feeling like there was something literally wrenching on my heart. Like I felt like there was some kind of demonic force about to enter me or it was on top of me. And I was like, you know, either I'm going to have a heart attack or I need to get to a church. So I found my own old pastor that I hadn't seen in several years. I go to his, I go to his church. I, I show up there, man, out of it in my mind. I'm sweating profusely. My AC was on full blast the whole time I was riding on the road to, to go to his church. And I go into the church and I'm literally in such a, a bad place mentally. There was a, what I now know is the back of the church. So I walk in the back of the church, and the guy was like, hey, man, can I help you? And my pastor's name is Brother Bobby. I said, hey, man, is Brother Bobby there? But I said it in a way like I projected on him. He was like, he kind of was like, uh, uh, bro. And it's Wednesday night, mind you, so they're having Wednesday night church. He's like, he's like man, I don't know if Brother Bobby's here. Let me, uh, let me see if he's here. Church starts in five minutes, bro. I mean, he just saw, so he was like, and he went in Brother Bobby's office, and he's like, hey, Bo- Brother Bobby, there's a, there's a big black or Mexican dude outside, man. What do you want me to do, bro? What do you want me to do? And he's like, did he tell you his name? And he's like, his name is Sterling, I think. Sterling Harris. He's like, yeah. So this is the guy that baptized me in, in, in high school. And so he walks out, and I'm just like, what am I going to tell my pastor who I haven't seen in a couple years? And I was like, you know what? I don't have anything to lose. I'm just going to tell him the truth. And so he hugs me, and, and he said, Sterling Harris, what do I owe this pleasure? I haven't seen you in a while. And I said, Brother Bobby, I'm not going to lie to you, man. I've been living wrong. I've been doing all the wrong things, living in sin. Man, I don't know what's going on in my life. I said, you know what, man, I need, I need your help. Dude, I feel like there's a demon trying to get inside me. I feel like I'm about to have a heart attack. He was like, for real? Wow. I mean, he's like, uh, let, me, let me pray for you. Um, church starts like now. So just sit at the back of the church and just, just chill, but we'll talk afterwards. So he prays for me and stuff like that. And this is a Baptist church with like, there's maybe like 30 people at this service. And I imagine this, I came to your church, and that time I'm like six foot seven, 320, huge, you don't even know what I am, black dude, Mexican dude, you don't know what I am, just huge dude, back of, the, back of your church, rocking back and forth, sweating profusely, looking like, I don't, I don't even know the worst, right? So I, you know, I had to scare a couple people. And uh, so I'm sitting there rocking back and forth. I'm like, God, please cleanse me, Lord. Please, Lord, I am negotiating with God. I'm trying to give him everything I got. I'm like, Lord, if you'll just, if you'll just get me out of this situation, you know, Lord, I'll serve you. I'll do whatever you want. I'll stop doing this, stop doing that. I'm negotiating like, like crazy. I'm ready to give it all up. And I start like rocking back and forth and just praying that God would cleanse me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. I just keep saying that over and over again. And all of a sudden, like my fingertips start tingling and it goes all the way up my arms, and my whole body starts tingling, and, I, and I'm like, what is going on? So I'm looking at myself, I'm still sweating profusely, and then I start rocking, I start praying even harder. And I'm like, Lord, cleanse me, please, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but cleanse me. And so all of a sudden, again, there was like this fiery sensation that started running through my hands and ran all the way through my body. So now my body's like burning. So now I'm, I'm sweating, I'm burning up, and I'm thinking that I'm about to go to hell right now. <laughs> Right in the back of the church, I'm going to go, poof. And, and then I, was, and I started praying with everything I had. Everything I learned in grade school, everything I learned in, in, on church camp, I'm throwing up everything against the wall. I'm trying to throw it up there. And, and all of a sudden, this peace from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet just 
flows through my body. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen Mary with Children, like Al Bundy. Like when he eats, he's like, kind of like you guys are out, out with the chili. You're like, Ugh. that's how I was. I was back at church. I was like, oh. Uh, and I was just like, man, I got, I got to do something different. So what did I start doing? I started, I started doing what I knew to do, work hard enough to be good enough again. And so the law of works took over my life. So did I slow down some? Did I start partying some? I just like, scaled it back a little bit. And the Lord slowly began to clean out my life and slowly began to strip religion off me and the world off me. But I still was all about wrestling with God. I, I still wanted to do it my way, Lord, and you should bless me because I'm a good person. And so I felt the call to full-time ministry. At this time, I owned a, a successful real estate and insurance company and making good money, uh, had a business that was paying six figures, man, just living, you know, living the good life, as, as one would call it, and got into counseling got delivered from a lot of the dad hurts that I had, a lot of heart wounds that I had that I didn't even know I had. And I used to think I could lock things in a box and, and just put them away in a box and they wouldn't hurt me. And little did I know that unforgiveness and resentment and rejection that I had felt from my, me and my dad's relationship had caused all these strongholds in my life and this root system of bitterness and resentment and rejection and the fears of being unworthy had settled into my heart and made me sick. And when I, when I finally, the first time when I got th- free of those things and released those things and asked God to break those strongholds, man, it literally was like the way of the world. You ever seen the Atlas man that had like the world on his shoulders? That's what I felt like. And so literally, I was just like, it was like I was able to finally put the, the world down. So during that time, I started doing counseling and started doing motivational speaking. And I start feeling the call to full-time ministry. And I'm like, Lord, you can't use me. I, I, man, I done done too much. I'd have been out there wilding out with drugs. I mean, you name it. You've seen it on TV. I probably did it. Uh, so I was just like, Lord, you can't use me. I, I've done too much. I've slept with too many women. I've, I've partied too hard. I've done too many drugs. You, I mean, you know where I've been. You've been with me. I mean, people, people think they can escape Jesus because it's dark outside. He lives in you. <laughs> I've, taken, I've taken Jesus a lot of questionable places. And some of the places I've taken just downright weren't good. <laughs> can I get amen? I'm just the only one, right? Okay. <laughs> You're not good. One, we got one guy honest. And, you know some people too? Okay, so do I. Everybody. <laughs> and so I'm just like, I'm negotiating with God again. I'm like, God, well, if you bless me over here, I'll retire in a full-time ministry. You know, I'm, I'm one foot in the ministry, seeing people get free and radically changed by the blood of Jesus. And I'm starting to learn about relationship, but I'm not entering all the way in. And then over here, I got this, I got this six-figure paying business that I feel like I can't step out of. And I'm living with a woman who's not my wife. I'm doing all these things that are contrary to the Word of God. I'm not living in that relationship context. But I think I'm a good person because, you know, I look, if you ever look at somebody else like, you know, Lord, you're blessing them, and they're, they're way more bad than I am. I'm way better than they are. And then you get this scale thing going on. Well, Lord, you blessed them and you gave them this, and you, I know I'm a better person than they are. See, when you live by that, it says in the Bible that you've fallen from grace. For those who are under the works of the law, it says in Galatians, have fallen from grace. When I finally understood why, like, why, why I was doing that and how I was like, actually living, I was like, that makes perfect sense why I couldn't get God's best like that because I'm, I'm still trying to enter in as a slave. I'm still trying to enter in on my own goodness, and I, and I, and I have none by myself. And so... I boxed with God for two years. And how many of you guys know that God has some long arms? Everybody? I have a seven-foot-one-inch wingspan. I mean, I could probably box with the best of them, but I have never won a bout with him, ever. 
And so I was walking in disobedience, and I gave the devil a place in my life. So six years, this is probably like three or four years later, I get a knock at my door. It's the FBI. And they say, Mr. Harris, um, can you step outside, please? I'm like, I'm like yeah. Um, they're like, you're under arrest for mortgage fraud. I was like, well, I don't even do mortgages. I'm a real estate agent. And I said, I think you got the wrong guy. And they rattled off my, my social security number, and I was, they, were like, they were like, yeah, that's me. And so they put handcuffs on me, and I'm like, I'm thinking I'm just going to go down to the police station and like, tell the FBI that I, I sell real estate and I don't do mortgages. Well, it turns out that the first deal I ever did when I was about six weeks out of real estate school, I sold 20 houses to an investment group. And back then, I wasn't listening to the voice of God. I was, I was just wilding out. I really was more focused on football than I was anything. And so these 20 houses I sold to this investment group, little did I know, they were doing all this like, illegal stuff behind the scenes, and we didn't find out about it until nine months later when the houses actually got foreclosed on. And little did I know, I, I could have, my accountability was in the situation that I could have actually had the NFL do a free background check. I would have found out that they gave me fake aliases and fake names. I could have, I could, have, I wasn't in tune with the, with the, with the voice of God, but I'm sure I felt something probably in my, in my spirit, but I was ignoring every, you think that, that, that God wasn't telling me to stop sleeping with these girls? He was. You think he was telling me stop drinking so much? He was. He was telling me a lot of stuff, but I was just ignoring him. Have you ever noticed when you ignore that voice and ignore that gut feeling that you tend to get yourself in a wreck? Well, I got myself in a wreck and didn't know it. I thought, I really thought because I'd ended my career early through injury, I really thought that it was God blessing me. That's how lost I was in that. But if you would ask me, I would say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I had no relationship with him. I had no daily love relationship with him. And so I go down there and I explain to him my situation. And I'm like, look, I put my name and my real estate number and my phone number on on the contracts. So evidently, I mean, you don't see like a drug dealer like selling a bag of weed, you know, with his contact information on there. <laughs> he didn't have his Facebook and his Snapchat on there, you feel me? He didn't have his email on there because he knows he's breaking the law. <laughs> and I was like, they were like, Mr. Harris, you had knowledge. I said I didn't. And I was like, you know what? At the end of the day, I prayed about it. And I was like, you know, I got to take accountability for my inaction because I, I, there's things that I could have done. There's, if I would have actually been in tuned with my spirit, if I had been actually listening to how God was trying to speak to me, I think now looking back that I wouldn't have done those deals. But you know what? My heart was so hard and so callous, and I was so young and so ambitious that I ignored the voice of God, ignored that, that inward witness of that, of that gut feeling. And so I ended up pleading guilty. I ended up, they, they were like, Sterling, with your background, you're a motivational speaker, you do counseling and, and freedom work with kids, and it's like, you'll probably get probation. So I throw myself in the mercy of the court, right? And the whole time I'm praying, and, and I just see these little signs that I feel like God is preparing me to go to prison, but I don't like it. Like, he's introducing me to people that have been able to overcome prison experiences and stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm like okay, Lord, I really don't like this, but we're going you know, to go with it. And so I'm like, well, maybe I'm going to do a little time, maybe, maybe six months, maybe 12 months. So I go into the courtroom, and, like, there's Obama there. There's, like, Obama's picture there, Joe Biden's picture there. I mean, this is, like, a federal courtroom. I, I see it, it's Sterling Wesley Harris versus the United States of America. Obama was against me. I couldn't I was like, Obama, I mixed your mix. I mean, can't, come on, man. Hook me up, bro. What's he doing? And so the judge is like, he's like, Mr. Harris, you know, I'm not going to blabber the point. And then he goes off a 15-minute tirade about, how I'm a good guy and how he, I could use this to further my witness and help kids. And I was like, okay. 
He's about to give me some time. <laughs> this is not good. He said, Mr. Harris, I'm not going to belabor the point anymore. He said, with that said, I'm going to give you 70 months in federal prison. <laughs> I don't know if this is biblical, but I had an out-of-body experience. I literally felt like my spirit, like, fly up to the top of the courtroom, look down upon myself, and then I came back to myself, and my knees buckled like this, and I almost fainted. And then I just started crying. And I did the math real quick in my head, and that's five years and ten months for those of you who hadn't added it up. And at that point, that was the only time in my life. We went 0-12 my senior season at SMU. Didn't win a game. And I still kept myself focused on, like, you know what? I've got a goal to make it in the NFL. I'm not going to let anything stop me. But that day was one of the most hopeless days of my life. And I didn't see it. I didn't see how God was going to make a way through this. And I went home that night and, and cried with my fiance. And I literally sat in bed that night and prayed to God. And I said, you know what, God? I served you in prosperity, and I will serve you in adversity. I don't understand this, but I know that you're going to let me know how I got myself in the situation because something in my life has went terribly, terribly wrong. And so I give my last motivational speech in Plano, Texas, like 3,000 kids. We get two standing ovations with me and my brother, and I walk off stage in life just like, what is happening? And so I go to federal prison, and I begin, my mind just begins to spin and about all this resentment and bitterness I had at not the people who got me involved in the deal, but more at the federal government because I felt like they knew that I, didn't, that I didn't know they were breaking the law at the time. So I had a lot of unforgiveness for them I had to work through, and myself especially, because I ran through those tr transactions thousands and thousands of times. So the first six, six weeks there, was, I was losing my mind. I was like, you know what, I can't do this. So I'd be, I was like, you know what, Lord, I've, and I just started releasing it to the Lord every day. Every thought I got, I'd take it captive. i said, Lord, I would just release this to you in Jesus' name. And I began to have these vicious conversations with God where I would tell him that, hey, you know, this is how I'm feeling about you, about myself, about these people. And I started out, like, wanting to, like, torture and kill these people and put them on, like, an ivy drip, like, you know, like, mafia boss style. And so, and I would just tell the Lord this. Like, he already knew, knows what I'm thinking. I might as well just tell him what it is. And so God moved me from a place of thinking like that three or four months later of this daily learning how to walk in forgiveness with him and receive his forgiveness for myself. This peace came over me, and I submerged myself in the word, and I went to all the Bible studies. I started living a lifestyle and started reading the word finally for myself and took off the religious glasses and started realizing that, man, God wants a daily relationship with me, and he started showing himself powerfully through all kinds of different studies. And I remember I was doing an Experiencing God study. If you guys haven't done it, it's a powerful study. And I began to realize that God had been speaking to me a long, long time. I just never sensed his activity. And he began to show me this daily love relationship. And he showed me that in all places of the Old Testament. And, he's, and I saw all these laws. There's like 613 of them. And he put on my heart showing me if I wanted to be involved in every detail of their life back then, and now you have a better high priest, a better covenant with better promises. What do you think I want to do now? My whole theology of my whole life was rocked and wrecked and turned upside down. And it needed to be because it wasn't good. And so I, I began to, to build this relationship with him and realize that there's nothing in life that God doesn't want to be involved in. And he began to actually show me how to apply the word of God to my daily life and how to actually take thoughts captive and cast those down and actually, actually use this like, like a mechanic would use a wrench. And, 
And as he began to just teach this to me step by step, he would talk through other people. He would talk through that small, still voice. He would talk through the, the word that I would read through my daily devotional. There were so many ways he was talking to me, and I was able to finally find this, the, the, the hole in my heart, the void in my heart that was, that was built for an infinite being. I kept trying to throw finite things, things that can be measured into something that can't be measured. So there's a void in your heart, only, only a, a love relationship with Jesus Christ can fill. It won't be, it, it's not, it's not, Christianity is not a religion, it's a life. God's spirit, God wanted to be so involved in your life, he actually, his spirit actually lives inside of you. That's how close he wants to be with you. And so I finally, this finally was just like a, it was like a wake-up call for me. And in the midst of a crazy, crazy prison experience, I found joy and peace and comfort. And I even told my parents, like, halfway into this, to this prison experience, I was like, you know what? You couldn't pay me not to have this experience because it's opened my eyes to something that I couldn't put a price tag on. So I actually I learned a lot about love in federal prison. I ended up getting out. I was, I was able to get, go through a program. I got a year cut off my sentence. And God spoke to me and told me, you know what? I want you to come to Athens, Texas, where your family is, and I want you to get back in the groove of life with them. And it was through this daily love relationship that I was able to live in peace in a prison experience. We all have prison experiences. We've all felt stuck in our marriages. We've all felt stuck in relationships. We've all felt stuck in a job, in our finances. We've all felt stuck at different times in our life. My prison experience, you can just see. But there are so many people I saw in prison that were in a prison inside their own mind and didn't know how to unlock it because they weren't living in a love relationship with Jesus. There were so many people that would come and visit me that were out in freedom. And I remember telling my friend one time, I said, you know the, the thing that's, that's unfortunate is that you're going to leave here and go out there and be free, and I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to be more free than you are in my heart. And that literally broke her that day, and she was like, she was holding on to some strongholds that she didn't want to let go of. And that literally was like, that really dawned on her. She's like, you know what? I'm ready to forgive. I'm ready to give it up. And so as I, as I got out and, and as God planted me here in Athens, Texas, I've learned more and more about walking that relationship with Jesus because I live it as a daily lifestyle. So I want to just give you a couple practical things that I do that you can start putting in your life as, that you can really infuse in your life. Because a lot of people say, okay, set this time aside this time for God. My whole thing is infuse God and join and partner up with him in every single thing that you do. So your whole life is lived with involving him in that situation. So when I get up in the morning, I do exercise where, where actually Pastor Mark actually kind of taught me this exercise. And it's, it's, really, it's really even made my intimate walk with God even better. Is I get up in the morning, and I just say, Jesus, I love you. And then I just listen. And then I say, Lord, what, what do you want to do today? What gifts do you see in me? And then I just listen, and I get tuned in to his frequency right there in the morning. And then, like, when I used to, like, listen to the radio in the morning, now I'll listen to the word on my, on my phone. The, 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 it'll read it to you. That's awesome. You don't even have to read if you don't want to. And so I listen to the word on my phone. I listen to inspired teaching and preaching. Uh, people, like, people like Tony Evans, Creflo Dollar, Kenneth Copeland. I listen to people who teach and preach the word. So I'm always feeding my spirit. When I work out, I listen to the word or listen to inspired teaching and preaching. Instead of watching three hours of mindless television, I just watch an hour and a half of mindless television. And I make the other hour and a half 
something that's going to build up my spirit. So I'm always, I'm always looking to involve God in every single thing I do in every, in every way. And my, I guess the, the, really the whole point of, of this talk, relationship is everything, is hopefully this has moved you out of a context of trying to work hard enough to be good enough and you're, and you're going to take this and it's going to shift your thinking to say, you know what, I need to start working this more like a relationship. And let me promise you, if you do that, you'll get relationship results. And I want to kind of, I want to kind of, the last part I want to cover is I want to kind of teach you something practical that has revolutionized my life. And it's a three-step process that I want to teach you just real quick about how to take a thought captive. And this is something that's found in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 through 6. And we teach, at Sterling Harris Ministries, we teach a three-step process. So I'm going to read it to you. It says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not wage war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to push all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. So, the whole thing that we talked about, the, the thought life and how, and how if you control your thought life, you can control your destiny. And so I used to let all these negative thoughts come in my mind, just bombard me, and I would let fear guide me. And so when I really learned how to put this in action, God taught me these three steps. So let's say a negative thought comes to your mind. The first step, we call it the rebuke or, the, or the, maybe the Ezekiel Elliott, the, uh, the stiff arm, if you will. So you have a negative thought that comes into your, to your mind. So the first thing you do is you kind of you say, you know what, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name. And what you're doing is you're, is you're using the authority you have in Jesus to either refuse a thought of the enemy or a thought of your flesh. Maybe it's a thought about your wife has irritated you or, you know what, you're getting your kids ready in the morning and you're running late and all this pressure and all this anxiety, all this irritation is building on you. If you don't release those negative seeds, you don't release that frustration, then those things just land on your heart and they take root, and they produce, they produce fruit after its kind. So the first step we say is the, is, is the rebuke or the stiff arm. So we say we refuse that thought in Jesus' name. It says take every thought captive. So start challenging the negative thoughts that are coming into your mind. And the second thing is we say we, we call it the forgiveness exchange. And so the second step is you're, you're releasing whatever kind of negative thought that you've had, whether it's worry about your finances, whether, it's your, whether you're concerned, concerned and worry about your marriage, you know, whatever the case may be, whether it's anger, frustration, or rejection, whatever that is, you say, you know what, I release that to you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And Lord, I receive forgiveness in the name of Jesus. And we call that the release because nothing happens in basketball until you release the shot, right? Nothing happens in football until you release the football. Nothing happens in baseball until you release it. So nothing happens in your heart until you get out the negative seed the enemy's trying to land on you. Because he's landing those body shots all day long. And so people say, how do, I, how do I forgive myself? You practice it. How do I defeat the enemy? You practice it. So the, and then the third step would be what we call the tree of life. And it's, it's basically you're putting in your heart what you're, you're putting in your heart the opposite of what the enemy or your flesh tried to put in there. So the first two steps, one was the rebuke and the stiff arm. You're saying, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name. The other one, you're, you're releasing that thought to God. First Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxieties, all your cares, all your fears on God because he cares for you. You're standing in that scripture and you're confessing 1 John 1, 9, that we confess our sins that Jesus is just and faithful to, to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you're constantly cleansing your heart from all unrighteousness. 
So if, if all unrighteousness is being cleansed out, what's left? Righteousness. So in the third step, the first two are defensive, but you can't play or win a Super Bowl by playing just straight defense. you got to have some offense. So the, first, the third step is offensive in nature. So you're going to take, take whatever that thought was. Let's say it's a thought about, about your wife irritating you. So you've said, you've said you, she's done something that irritates you. You say, you know what, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name. Lord, forgive me, Father, and I forgive my wife. Lord, I forgive myself. Lord, and I forgive my wife, and I just release that to you in Jesus' name. And then what I like to do, I like to actually go and do like this. Even if I'm in a crowd, I'll be like this. It's just a physical anchor to your release. And then the third step, what I'll do is I'll pray the opposite of temptation, and I'll use those negative thoughts that were trying to destroy my life to build up my life. So I'll say, Lord, I thank you that my wife is blessed. I thank you that our marriage is restored. Lord, I thank you that I'm more patient, that I'm more kind. What are you doing? You're actually putting, we call it the tree of life because it's like a tree like you're on a beach. So you're pulling down blessings from the spiritual realm and putting them into your heart. So you're claiming who you are in Christ Jesus. You're claim, claiming your identity. You're putting that in your heart on a daily basis. And so you're, you're keeping the enemy and your flesh from landing all these negative things in your heart. Because you sow an apple seed, you can only get an apple. If you sow frustration, you can't get love. If you sow, if you sow hate, you can't get patience. It'll always produce after its kind. So the three steps again, a negative thought comes in. You say, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name. And everybody ever seen like the video, like the uh, a movie where somebody's like, ah, talk to the hand, that kind of thing. Uh, it's kind of kooky, it's kind of funny, but you'll remember it if you think about it in those terms. And I think about it in football terms, so I think about the stiff arm, just giving my flesh or the enemy the stiff arm. And then the second part is the forgiveness change, the release. And I just, like I said, I always go like that to really just kind of get that, get that off and get that out. And you can do the same thing, whether it's forgiving yourself or forgiving a person or forgiving God, whatever it is. Because if it's just as easy to be offended and beat your own self up as it is somebody else or it is to be offended by God. And so the, and the third step is you're pulling down from this tree of life and putting in your heart what you really, really want in life. And at first, these, these three steps will kind of seem mechanical. And like we said earlier, with the power of words and the power of, of what you think, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But let me give you kind of this, this, one, this, this one example that let's say you wake up and then your, your, kids are, your kids are screaming so you're a little irritated. And then you maybe, may, and so you, you got some frustration in your heart. And then, and then you and your wife, like, you are kind of like not jiving that day. So then you're irritated with her and maybe you say some things you don't mean or maybe you're just kind of short with her. And then you go to work and then there's some, then you're kind of already irritated. You drive in traffic, you get more irritated, especially living, if you're driving to Dallas. <laughs> Amen. Preach. And then you go to work, and then these things keep building in your heart, and all day the be devil's landing body shots on you. And your flesh is just doing what it wants to do, and you're just, you're just handed these thoughts. And people say, well, it's not, it, I just shrug it off, bro. It's not a big deal. Well, think about them as like seeds or pebbles. How irritating is it to have one pebble in your shoe? <laughs> it's terrible. You think of all these as seeds, and you think, how many times a day do I get frustrated? 10, let's say you get frustrated 10 times. Maybe you're better than me, maybe it's five, but let's say it's 10, 70 times a week, 140 every two weeks, 280 a month. By the end of the, the, end of the year, you got over 3,000 seeds that are landing on your heart of frustration, anger, bitterness, rejection, frustration, and those are all taking root in your life. You got fruit in there, 
but you're not tending the garden of your heart. And those three steps have literally revolutionized my life. And I do those things. I probably do those three steps 30 or 40 times a day now. When you actually start taking a thought inventory of what you think and how you respond to those things, when I first started doing it, it was overwhelming. But after two or three weeks, when I started just doing the, doing, I refuse that thought in Jesus' name, Lord, I, I release that thought to you, and just praying opposite the temptation, man, I started noticing this peace that came upon me in prison, of all places. I was like, man, I, I, I was, no matter how good your, the day is in prison, you still want to leave. So <laughs> that's just how it is. My best day in prison, I wanted to leave. So I was, then that's how I was able to literally start winning the battlefield of my mind and it was also, you know, it helps you practice God's presence because you're constantly getting bombarded by these negative thoughts and it allows you to start controlling and managing your thought life. So uh, I want to thank you guys for letting me come speak. That's really, that's really what I wanted to share with you about relationship is everything and being able to control, you know, your thought, your thought life and your mind. And there's one thing that God kind of put in my heart for the last part of this. It's more of an activation so I need, just need everybody to kind of like scoot in a little bit, scoot in a little bit if you're out there, just kind of scoot in right here. And, you know, what I want to do is, is we as the leaders of our household and the head of our household, the activation for us to actually get in our hearts and model this for our kids, for our wives that God puts in our life is key. So what really God put on my heart is, learning how to start destroying these strongholds that are in your life that are keeping you bound. So what I'm going to ask you to do is the per- person to your right-hand side, I'm going to ask you to partner up with that person. And if you don't have anybody on your right-hand side, just go to the next, the next person and partner up with them. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, is the, the, first, the, the, per- the first person, whoever, whoever wants to go first, you just kind of like, you kind of bow your head, and both of you are just going to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, bring in my heart, what stronghold do you want me to destroy? It can be a stronghold of anger, of resentment. It can be a, a, a dad hurt, a mom hurt. It can, be, it can be something in your finances. It can be worry. It can be fear, rejection. Whatever the case may be, let the Holy Spirit bring it to your heart. And then after you, ha- after you, after you get that, what I'm going to have you guys do is, it says in the Bible, confess your sins to one another and you'll be healed. And so what I'd like the first person to do is just say, you know what, this is what the Holy Spirit's put on my heart. And then, and then I want you to go ahead and pray and break the power over that. So an example would be this year God showed me that I had a fear of men. Um, I know that seems kind of weird, but I always thought in my life I had a lot of supportive women in my life, but the men in my life weren't supportive. So God showed me throughout my life these little videotapes of me getting wounded by those men that were closest to me. And so I actually had a fear of men where I viewed women as safer and more loyal. And I, and I said subconsciously in my mind, that you know what, my dad hurt me, my grandfather hurt me, these people close to me hurt me, what will the next man do? And so I was able to literally, I said, you know what, I, I, confess, that, I confess that stronghold, and I said, Lord, I'm just giving the stronghold to you, and I began to speak to that stronghold. Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, it'll move. And so I just said, stronghold of fear of men, I break your power in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you that the power is broken. Any spirit that is, has attached itself to this situation, anything that is trying to come in and take my joy in regards to the fear of men, I call you broken in the name of Jesus. And I began to, I began to break that stronghold, and, 
And that's really, and then when it comes to my mind, I still, I still pray and thank God. I was like, thank God, I thank you that you delivered me from the stronghold, Lord, in Jesus' name. And after, after I broke it, then I just was in a place of thanksgiving when it would come to my mind. And so I want you to do that with one another, and then I want the other person to just pray over you. And this is an activation where, I mean, you can come hear a sermon, but if you don't learn how to do it and you don't actually start activating, if you don't start getting your hearts, you don't start being in tune with the Holy Spirit and modeling this for your kids, for your wives, for your girlfriends, for the people in your life, how can you effectively make a change? If you want to love deeper, we got to get freer. And so I just want to, if it's something that you don't, that you don't want to share, please, please just say, you know what? This is kind of something that I don't want to share, but you know what? I still just say, you know what? I break the power of the stronghold. If you, if you can name it, please name it. And so, again, what's going to happen is everybody's going to bow their head. And you're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to bring to your heart what stronghold that you want to break this evening. And it can be anything. And then you're going you're gonna to tell each other those things. You're going to speak to that stronghold and break the power of that stronghold. And you're going to pray for one another. So you're just going to minister to one another. And if we can't minister to each other, we can't minister to our brothers. How are we going to minister to our wives? How are we going to minister to our sons? How are we going to minister to our daughters who need us? Right? So right now, I just want to pray for us before we get started. Holy Spirit, I just thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that the anointing of freedom is in this room. And Lord, I just thank you and I praise you as we do this activation that you will speak to the hearts and minds of these men, Lord, in Jesus' name. We call all strongholds broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to another Sterling Harris Ministries teaching. For this and other inspired teaching and preaching, visit us at sterlingharris.org. And always remember, Jesus loves you.